0: Thank you for tuning in to episode 9 of the Keto Matrix Podcast. This episode will forever be called the Snowfall episode because literally when Brittany and I had the pleasure of sitting down with Jocelyn, it was snowing in Canada. How crazy is that? And so sad. Having said that, this is a very performance-based episode. For anyone that's ever asked you the question, what about keto and performance? This is the intro episode that they should listen to. Jocelyn covers everything from her diverse background from Olympic lifting, bodybuilding, being a figure competitor, and CrossFit competitor in regionals in Canada, and how she kind of stumbled upon keto with keto coffee and resetting her body after pregnancy to all of the things in between. Her and her husband actually own a CrossFit box in Canada and have for 10 plus years. This episode shares a wealth of different information. So tune in, listen, enjoy, leave positive reviews, subscribe, and at least share with one friend. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Let's jump into the latest episode. The Keto Matrix Podcast, where myths are busted, science is explained, and the keto lifestyle is discussed by industry experts and- and everyday people alike. For more information and support, go to theketomatrix.com. Now, let's jump into our latest episode. So, Brittany, long time no talk. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, fantabulous. It's Friday. It's it's my second most favorite day of the week, so yeah, I can't yeah, complain. power restored. I do. Wait until people hear that episode. Oh, my word. That was absolutely ridiculous. I'm just going to blame it on the fact that she's in Russia currently. And that's what made the power go out. Forget the hurricane like that had nothing to do with it. We'll just go with the fact that she's in Siberia. That
1: sounds way cooler.
0: Yeah, I I think so. I feel like that'll be uh, more grace will be given by the listeners that are like, why is this so choppy? Um, But needless to say, I'm super pumped. We don't usually get to talk this frequently as far as having people on. And um, I'm glad that our schedules had allowed and are available to speak with Jocelyn, who is not as far away as Siberia, like close. But um, it feels like it's snowing
2: here today. You're kidding me. Yeah. Oh, my gosh.
0: No, 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 no. We need to let her off right now just for the fact that it's snowing. Like, that's insane. Yeah, Um, it's bad. Yeah, that's I'm I'm so sorry. We will pray for you guys up there because that's just wrong. But uh, (laughs) Jocelyn, a little bit of background, her and her husband have been doing CrossFit for forever. They own a CrossFit gym. It's been 10 plus years. Um, She also has two little kids that do uh, Keto, and she's competed at CrossFit Regionals. Um, I know her gym and Canadian Nationals, I believe, right? Like for several years. And I really wanted to make sure that we could get a a person that's actively used CrossFit as well as other methodologies in their performance and kind of were able to talk to how that looked in their life and um, how they've integrated it with increasing their performance thus far. And so we are honored to have Jocelyn on. Jocelyn, how are you? Other hey, than the nice snow. For having me.
2: I'm excited to be here.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you are, because right now I will tell you, it's 80 degrees here in North Carolina. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. So if for no other reason, you can vicariously live through the fact that I will be out later and hot and sweating because it's 80 degrees here. So.
2: <laughs> it should be nice here, but it's
1: snowing today. It's has it, very oh uncharacteristically
0: cold. Yeah, I just... I'm, I don't even understand how that works. I feel like I would just be completely thrown off for snow in September.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's not normal, that's for sure.
0: Yeah. Has it been a uh, a cold summer?
2: We actually had a really nice summer, and it was great all the way up to the end of August, and then, bam, winter. We got no fall. Nothing nice.
1: That is, that's like my worst nightmare. I am (laughs) such a freeze baby. Like, no, 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 no.
0: I, I really feel like a part of me just died inside thinking that there's no some part in the world right now, other than like Australia. Cause that would make sense.
1: Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. I'll be there in a couple months. Awesome.
0: Yeah, that, that
1: <laughs> it will not be snowing then. It will be May. It better not be snowing. They're, they're equivalent yeah. of May. It better not be snowing.
0: It probably won't be, but needless to say, I just love how excited you got about going to Australia.
1: <laughs> I mean, I have wanted to go like literally my entire life. So
0: I'm super pumped about it. Well, if you ever want to go on a more extreme trip in a closer place, just go up to Canada because I heard it snows in September.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Come visit in the summer.
0: Yeah, if you have a summer. Yeah,
1: I'll definitely (laughs) be like, that is a summer trip for sure.
0: Oh, man. So other than having to shovel your driveway, what have you, how how else has your day been, Jocelyn? How have you been?
2: It's been great. I was at my gym all morning. I usually work the early shift from 6 a.m. to 1 p.m. And then I get to be with my kids and my family for the rest of the day, which that's,
0: is great. That's yeah. awesome. And then it's your husband, works. your first class.
1: Yeah. First, one, first class day.
0: Day. Do we have, okay. So in Canada, I feel like you guys are a lot more laid back than us crazy Americans, but um, do you guys typically like start work day like eight to five?
2: Yeah. Nine to five is pretty typical for a lot of people. Some really? will have a more flexible seven to three or four. Um, lots of the community within our gym are people that do shift work, lots of healthcare workers, lots of first responders where their schedules all over the place. And then lots of business owners with schedules that vary as well. So
0: oh, not that's really... Now.
2: Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, which Art. is nice. It's nice to have people with lots of flexibility with their time.
0: Yeah. I feel like six to one is the more dedicated anyway. That's the more dedicated group. Like the people that come in after that was like, yeah, I couldn't feel, feel like I had anything else to do. So I got, I got here, like I made it. <laughs> um, so definitely
2: it's easier to be more consistent with the morning people
0: agree there's agreed. less
2: that comes up in your day that interrupts
1: getting to the gym
0: yeah that's that's pretty say, like
1: being a morning workout person like i like to think that that means you're more dedicated but i'm like but it's because i wouldn't go every day if i had to go after work like i would totally psych myself out of it all the time yeah. so that's why i have to i'm like just get up and go as opposed to after work there's just too many things that could come up so yeah people that come that's consistently for that
0: impressive. yeah i'm actually about to start doing two a days um october 1st and i've been playing around with the different times that i like to go to try to get the split and i want to give my nervous system like at least four to six hours in between and i'm really struggling with the fact that after i go in the morning i, I don't know how i'm gonna go again like i just <laughs> i really haven't figured out with my schedule like how that's actually gonna work but yeah. um yeah I'll, I'll keep you guys posted Justin, how'd you get into crossfit
2: Um, so I started CrossFit in 2007. I'd been doing uh, competitive bodybuilding and figure for a couple years. And I read an article in a muscle and fitness magazine about CrossFit. And it was called the hardest workout in the world. And at the time I thought I was very fit. Like a lot of people when they first have their first exposure to CrossFit, I'd been running and did a lot of yoga and I was doing all this bodybuilding and just like thought I was strong and fit. And did my first CrossFit workout and just got owned, <laughs> like, <laughs> like many people do with their first one. Uh, I was sore for like a week after, and uh, just thought, like, man, there is something to this. If I was that unprepared for, for a you know a workout like this, um, so this was before there was CrossFit affiliates, before there was CrossFit gyms in my area. Um, so my husband and I were just following the workouts that were showing up on CrossFit.com, hmm. and we would do them. Uh, we were living in calgary at the time and we would do them at you know gold's gym in calgary and then everyone um, looked
0: at you like you're crazy
2: yeah yeah you're the annoying people in the gym (laughs) sweating all over the place and taking up all the space and stuff um so yeah it was just the two of us doing crossfit for a long time and then we moved um to the city we're in now in saskatoon and had actually moved to saskatoon with the intention of opening a regular uh, globo gym And, you know, through some various things that happened, we ended up opening a a personal training studio. So we were working one-on-one with lots of different clients that way and started to introduce the concepts of CrossFit and these workouts from CrossFit.com back then um, with our personal training clients. And it kind of grew on its own from there. We, you know, the cost of having a personal trainer is expensive, so we had people approach us initially to split the cost between two people and then it was to split the cost between three people and then five people and then before we knew it it had evolved into this small group training thing that's very typical of crossfit gyms now and we didn't have time anymore to train people one-on-one and it evolved all into group fitness so we didn't really set out with the intention of opening a crossfit gym We just sort of we followed what was working and it evolved in that way and that was we're coming up on our 10th anniversary now of our gym
0: well, first off, just, just say congratulations on having a business for 10 years because as a okay. business owner, I can tell you it's a lot, that's a lot of work. Um, and then secondly, I'll, I'll be honest right now, everything that you just said, all I could keep thinking of is how do you pronounce that? Saskatoon? Saskatoon. Saskatoon. Does the S in Saskatoon stand for snow?
2: <laughs> it should. <laughs> that's for sure.
0: I I'm still Super can't get over snowy. that. Right. There yeah. we go. Saskatoon. So that's absolutely awesome. I think that that is... Um, That's cool. And so you were... Did you ever compete in Figure of Bodybuilding?
2: I did for a couple seasons. um, Did the whole sparkly bikinis and clear heels and parading around on stage with the spray tan,
0: all that Mm -hmm. stuff. So would you... I shouldn't, I don't want to lead you this this way, but I I have heard from, no, no, I'm not, I'm not. I'm going to backtrack so that it's it's not that way. Mm -hmm. I have heard from other people that have crossed over from those things that are a little bit more subjective um, into things that are a little bit more proven, that they could appreciate the fact that no matter what their hard work was, it was left there and clearly rewarded based on efforts put forth. Would you agree with that statement?
2: Yeah, moving to something that's like objective in its measurements in terms of scores and times versus subjectively what a judge thinks, is that? Yes, wait? yes, yeah, correct. for sure. I found like the biggest difference between the bodybuilding world and the CrossFit world, and it took me a while to shift my mindset about that, was that the whole bodybuilding and really the world of aesthetics is your training and your dieting to be less all the time. You're always trying to lean out. You're always trying to be smaller. You know, burn calories or eat less calories. It's all about that. And it took me a long time to wrap my head around CrossFit being like, we're here to be more, to do more, right? We want to do more pull ups. We want to back squat more weight, right? Like we're trying to grow. Who we <laughs> I are. like that. Okay, cool. And yeah. the time we spent in the gym wasn't a punishment because you ate too many calories. You know, you're not spending two hours on the elliptical to punish yourself for what you did. You're here to work on your fitness as an expression of how good you could be, of how much you could develop yourself, right? Like in that it's a strange mindset, especially I find as a female athlete where almost always people assume that if you're in the gym, it's because you don't like the way you are, that you're trying to lose weight usually, right? Um, And that with CrossFit, it was a very different mindset that this isn't about trying to look different. This isn't trying to lose weight. This is like trying to develop some physical capacity in a very positive way.
0: I like that. That's awesome. That's absolutely profound. I totally wouldn't have expected that as a response. That's awesome. That's great. All of that. That's, you know, we've um, the last few recordings and conversations, and even with my last few, few, like client meetings this week um, has been centered around a lot of the perspective That you know you inwardly have based on what you're doing and why, and you know here at the Keto Matrix we're really big about being the best version of yourself, and that looks differently for everyone, right? Like being the best version of yourself, there's so much that involves that, right? And so thinking about CrossFit in the sense that yeah, you're you're going to work out to be more, not to to be less, or even to be different, but to be more of what you are um, inside and out. I think that's fantastic. That's cool. Yeah. So. Britney said she's going to go up to Canada and get in a wad or two on her way back no, from.
1: I've totally done well, been owned by CrossFit before, and yeah, I was definitely owned I was gonna, three times that I've I was, done
0: it. I was going to say, I feel like Britney's done CrossFit before. What, you, what oh, was I your am. experience like with that?
1: Um, it was very different all three times. They were all three at um, different gyms or boxes or I you know people so I have gotten it and run into people that are like they're not called gyms they're
0: boxes and I was like
1: okay sorry um
0: <laughs> listen it's but, snowing in Canada where Jocelyn is right now I don't think she's yeah, gonna take call it call that serious it's an ice yeah. box
1: she has an ice box but, currently yeah. um so I'm definitely not going to hers uh, <laughs> uh no there was um one that I actually did kind of enjoy the um coaches were a little bit more um tuned into when it because it was my first workout with them and there was a couple others and so really focusing on hey don't go balls to the wall this first workout um and don't try to like like they said start with the modified and then you can build into it but um Whereas the other two, it was kind of just like, okay, go. And you were with these people that have been doing CrossFit for who knows how long, and they are going balls to the wall, and they're like, well, and you're like, oh, my God. And, again, you come into it thinking, I'm pretty fit. I do, like, all this other stuff. And you're just not ready for it. You yeah. don't necessarily know the form of a lot of the moves. Um, and I was like, I totally see why people talk about all the injuries that come with um, CrossFit Um and, but again, then I did go to one where I was like, Oh, I can definitely see where it's just very coach dependent, which is similar to any other style of workout too. So
2: it's kind of the best and the worst of the the CrossFit world is that we, we get a lot of freedom from CrossFit HQ, all of us as affiliate owners. There's 14,000 in the world now, oh. um, in the way we get to run our businesses, which is great we get lots of freedom. But then there's lots of variety in the world of CrossFit too. And we consider it like genetic diversity in the CrossFit world. And you'll find some that will, um, the fittest will rise to the top, you know, Mm -hmm. in lots of ways. The strongest survive. We went through a bit of a boom a couple years ago where there was a lot of new affiliates. And now we're starting to see this, some of them are closing, right? The ones that aren't doing the best job that they can or delivering the best service to their clients are, are not being rewarded by the marketplace, right? Those are the ones that people don't want to go to, right? So right. Um, we're finding, we're sort of seeing as we've been in this game for like a decade, the, the ebb and flow of the business as it comes and goes and the strongest survive
1: for sure. That must mean you guys are pretty strong to make it 10 years.
2: That's
0: awesome. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. We've so.
2: made lots of mistakes. How about that? We've made all the but mistakes. You from them instead of uh, just letting them
1: take you down. So thanks.
0: I feel like learning from mistakes is what we do every day, right? Like our whole purpose in working out is to fail, right? So that we can come back stronger. So no worries there. Uh, one of my questions for you is this. You decided at some point in time you were going to do CrossFit, continue doing CrossFit, and then just crush it. How was the transition and what did you do? You know, I, I know that everyone has fallen into keto in some way, shape or form, right? And you said that you started CrossFit because you wanted to be more yourself, like your thought process and being more and being better and improving. And I know just based on the large amount of CrossFitters I've spoken to, if I were to come to them and approach them and say, hey, especially a year ago even more so, they would say keto is not going to help me improve my wad like at all. I need the carbohydrates. I need a carb load. And you even having this conversation with me makes me feel like you're insane. So (laughs) (laughs) like, how did you get to the point where you're like, you know what? I'm going to do keto and continue improving and working on bettering yourself.
2: I okay, so I have two boys, I have two kids, they're eight and two. So there's a big space between the two of them. In those six years between, those were the years that I took my athletics very seriously or more seriously.
0: So the six um, years between the two of them?
2: Yeah, between my okay. two kids. Okay. So after I had the first one, but before the second one, those were the years I went to regionals on my gym's team. I went to Canadian nationals for weightlifting. Um, I competed in Olympic weightlifting at um, lots of different events in Canada and went to the Arnold and um, did lots of that stuff.
0: Wait, and wait, don't, don't hold on. See, cause you're saying that. And for me, I'm like, Whoa, that's crazy. But I feel like most people don't like you saying regionals. And I know like, especially with Canada, I know CrossFit is still really, really popular. Can you, can you kind of give some context to how big of an achievement that actually is like going to regionals with your gym and competing at that level?
2: Yeah. Like it certainly gets more competitive every year and every year there's different changes. Um, so our region has been Canada West. And we've been through in the last six or seven years, lots of different changes. So we used to have our event take place in Vancouver, um, okay. which was lots of fun. Our region's not very big, and therefore not it wasn't one of the most competitive in the world okay. um, Love Canada West, but it, there's not a lot of depth here as far as CrossFitters go. Um, then we got combined with the Northwest US, and then we went to uh, Tacoma the next year in Washington to compete there. Um, then we went to Portland the next couple years. Now we've been combined with the entire West coast. So our regional event this year was in California. So we were with mm-hmm. all of so, California, yeah. Northwest U S all of Canada West.
0: Well, okay. So, so this like this
2: year, I wasn't on our team this year, but, um, there was like in all of those regions, 565 teams, I think. So to be one of the ones that gets to compete at that level, there's 30 teams there. But well, I'm, you know, fairly competitive these
0: days. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not competing with one of 500 and, of anyone. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe I'm like the longest talker. <laughs> Very cool. OK, now now continue. I just I want listeners to be able to recognize, like, no matter how small your region was for the amount of people and teams affiliated and associated with it. Like that's still that's huge.
2: Yeah, if- you know there's lots of sports that have their little niche kinds of things if you get into iron man there's you know certain events you can qualify for you get into marathon same thing like crossfit is its own little bubble and you know there's definitely opportunities to be more competitive um, so then in 2016 i had our uh, my second baby and that was um it made for a nice reset point in my okay. life it took the competitive athletics completely off the table for more than a year between being pregnant and recovering from being pregnant um and made me go back to the basics with rebuilding my body and my fitness and all that kind of stuff kind of wipe this light clean and so when my son was six months old I thought um it started with looking for more energy for morning workouts I had never been a morning workout person I always worked out in the evening I was now having to work out in the morning while he was napping.
0: That's six to one spot, huh? (laughs) Yeah. yeah.
2: So I was finding it tough. I didn't want to eat before I worked out. I didn't like having a belly full of food. I also wasn't loving working out on a totally empty stomach. So I thought, I'll try this bulletproof coffee thing that everybody's always talking about. Right. I knew from before the way I kind of always eaten was fat and protein in the morning. I just didn't feel like having bacon and eggs in my stomach with doing a workout. I'll try this bulletproof coffee thing. And that was kind of the start of it for me. That was the rabbit hole reading about, you know, what is this thing? Why do people rave about it? You read all about the MCT oils and you know, how they break down in the liver and they get converted to ketones and I went, what are ketones? And, um, got lost down this rabbit hole learning about (sighs) ketogenic diets. And then you read all these things and people really rave about it. And I went like, well, what the heck, right? Like, Well, I was at a time where I wasn't competing in anything, if my performance did totally suffer, it was fine. I didn't have anything on the line. Um, And I started, yeah, I started my Instagram account called The Keto Athlete just to kind of document. I went, all right, I'm a CrossFitter. I'm a weightlifter. I'm going to try this ketogenic diet. I'm going to ditch carbs and see how it goes. And I documented lots and posted lots of my results and thoughts and training and how things went. And it turned out to be A really good fit for me and it's been going on just about two years now and I it's just a lifestyle now it's something I'll never go back on
0: why do you say you'll never go back on it
2: it just feels like such a natural fit it doesn't feel like something I have to force in the way I eat I don't really have to think about it it seems like the easiest thing to stick to even when I'm out of my normal routine. If I'm traveling or in a restaurant, it just seems like it's the easiest, most natural fit for me.
0: That's fantastic. What, what do you typically eat? Like what's your favorite keto meal?
2: Uh, breakfast. <laughs> I love <laughs> breakfast foods. <laughs> I look forward to, uh, you know, kind of later in the day, I'm a, a time restricted eater, intermittent faster kind of person as well. Um, so it's usually around 2.30 in the afternoon. I love eggs and meat usually with some nuts on the side. That's my favorite.
0: Okay. Very cool. Very cool. I always say that I feel like, um, keto is easier for me than I thought it would, would be right. Like I, I I thought it would be really, really difficult. Um, At first, and there's not times that I mean, obviously, there's times like I have cravings for certain things um, for whatever reason, more emotionally based than anything else. But um, I know that there are a ton of people that are just like, it's so difficult and and different times where people feel it's difficult. And I don't want to take for granted, like, you know, I feel like the after you've crossed over a year of keto, I'm a firm believer that it just gets a lot easier because it's less of a. I was on this diet to do whatever and it becomes more of an integrated lifestyle that you just accustomed to. But for those people that are thinking about it, considering it, or maybe they are still trying to compete and for whatever reason they decided they were going to start and make that transition out, what would be your like number one piece of advice?
2: I think the the biggest thing is to give it time. People expect to feel amazing after just a few weeks. And it's not like that, depending how different your diet has been prior to, it might take months before you really get to the good part where you feel awesome. I, prior to keto, had always done a style of eating called carb backloading.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. So I would um, eat
2: protein and fat all day. And then after working out, I would hammer carbs, like, you know, carb up after working out in the space between an evening workout and going to bed. So eating a lot of fat and protein as the bulk of my meals was not that out of the ordinary for me. So I was already fairly used to that. All I did was take those carb refeeds out from post-workout. But it still took about four months before I was like, I feel awesome. And people always ask me, did you have the keto flu? Did you feel terrible? And I just say my cases may be different because I did that switch when my baby was six months old, he was sleeping terribly. I was still, you know, trying to get my fitness back on track. I felt terrible all the time. I
0: had the six month old baby flu. You know what I mean? Like, yeah.
2: <laughs> so Like I felt terrible all the time. I don't know that I, that I would have noticed if I felt any worse for having gone through some keto flu. So I didn't notice anything. The transition was fine for me, but it took about four months before I all of a sudden noticed like, I feel great, like, my body feels great, my energy levels feel awesome, I don't feel hungry, I don't feel preoccupied with thoughts of food all the time, my, like, cravings are greatly diminished, like, all that kind of stuff, but it was, like, four months is a long time, and people we'll often get to maybe 3 weeks of trying it and go, "Oh, I had a bad workout. I give up." You know.
0: This is not yeah, for if, me. Yeah, if they if they get to 3 weeks, um yeah. for sure it's <laughs> it's it's different for yeah. everyone with that. But um two things, one I don't want to not mention. I feel like the keto flu is associated with, "Oh, you started keto." And I have absolutely, I I train police canines. And so there'll be times where I spend hours in a bite suit getting chewed on. And here in North Carolina or anywhere else, um, it gets, it gets hot, especially in some of the places. Right. So, and so I tell people, I'm like, the keto flu is nothing more than managing your electrolytes. And it doesn't have to be something that happens in the beginning. It can happen five years into keto if you are not on top of your electrolytes. Like that's just the reality of that. Uh, I don't even want to talk about my starting keto in the three days that I spent locked in a dark room because I thought I was dying. But that's a whole nother story. (laughs) So I I, I just I want to say, like, so for people that are trying keto right now or feel like they can't get over the keto flu, work on, look up research and look into how you're managing your electrolytes, because there's definitely areas of improvement for that. Um, But beyond that, what do you think like when you started? you were already coming back to resetting yourself, right? So would you say you had waited until you got back into the groove of working out before or did you start it like simultaneously? You're like, I'm gonna go back to CrossFit and start working out and keto all at the same time.
2: Like I had never really stopped okay. working out. Um, not entirely. I had a I had a C-section so I had to take like six weeks of nothing for sure to recover from from the surgery. Right. Um, and then had just slowly been trying to very gently rehab and rebuild my body and my hips and put my core back together and all those kinds of things. So I was already working on my fitness, um, by the time I tried to thought it would be a good idea to make the transition to keto.
0: Okay, cool. And then, so like four Experiment. months after that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so, I mean, so now what would you say, I mean, what do you think is your biggest improvement as far as your lifts and stamina and energy? I know it's all there, but like, where do you think you noticed the first, like, oh my goodness, this is amazing.
2: The the biggest thing is I find it's much easier to um, maintain my weight. I sit now after my second baby about 12 or 15 pounds lighter than I did before. So um, I'm down a weight class for weightlifting without any effort. Um, so my, my just normal homeostasis body weight now is much lighter, which makes all of the body weight related elements in CrossFit so much easier. So the running, any gymnastics movements, the pull-ups, you know, hands push-ups, rope climbs, anything where you're moving your own body weight around, it's literally like taking a weight vest off that all of a sudden you go, Oh, I don't know. <sighs> my lifts are now around 85 to 90% of where they were prior to, um, But I also was training much more dedicated than I was now I would consider myself much more of a recreational athlete my goal now I always say is I want to do CrossFit when I'm 80. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to stay strong and fit and healthy as much as I can Um, whether or not one day I get back into a more competitive level of athletics we'll kind of see where the sport of CrossFit goes see how busy life gets with two kids instead of one and who knows but I'm happy to have I have more than enough physical capacity now to do anything and enjoy anything in my life that I would ever want to.
0: So you definitely don't feel like keto has restricted any of your CrossFit capabilities or potential at all? Not at all. Awesome. Okay, cool. So I'm a CrossFitter, and I'm thinking about making the transition. And let's say I'm like a recreational CrossFitter, because I'm just not that dedicated yet, but I feel like I want to get there what would you suggest for how to start? Would you start with the, the carb backloading? Would you just rip off the band-aid? And when you say ditch the carbs, what is that threshold for you?
2: For me, it's right around 25 grams of net carbs a day. Um, people have often asked me about low carb as opposed to like very low carb, where they'll talk about it. in the literature, they'll differentiate the two. For me, and this is just end of one, what's worked for me. I feel great in an, in an individual day with a lot of carbs, three or 400 grams of carbs. Yeah, I feel awesome. I feel great under 25 grams of net carbs a day. In the middle, I feel terrible. Between 80 and 100 grams of carbs, what people would consider like low carb, especially for an athlete, I feel terrible. Um, so I would, if it was me, I would be more on the side of voting to rip the bandaid off. Go low carb and just do it. Make sure you get enough of your calories from fat from the other side of the equation. Um, But I find that middle ground, man, like you don't have enough glucose to run on glucose. So you're feeling low energy, but you're not low enough in your carb intake to be making ketones either. So you're just, you don't have enough of anything. You don't have enough glucose. You don't have any ketones. You just have no energy coming from anywhere then.
0: Visually, whenever I think about that, because I have people come to me with that all the time, especially for some reason, it's always like those that do like Ironmans or marathons and they're like, "Hey, yeah, yeah, no, I, I just want to do low carbon. I'm like, listen, you have a Tesla, you have a Prius and you have a Corvette and you can pick which one of those you'd like to be. The Corvette's really efficient. Nothing's going to beat the speed of a Tesla. And if you want to drive a Prius, that's fine. But that's how you'll feel and operate. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's true. And like... I mean, maybe there's people out there, and they feel great in that middle ground, and that's perfect for them. The main thing I think everybody should do is experiment.
0: I like it. I like it.
2: I don't think there's any one system or formula or set of macros that's going to work for everybody. I think the only thing you can do is try things and pay attention to your body. And if it's not working, do something different.
0: Fair enough. Do you track?
2: Do I track macros? Yes. Uh, Rarely. Only in a prospective manner. And then I'll go, I feel great eating what I'm eating. I just eat ad libitum, eat to satiety. And I'll go, I wonder what that looks like. And I'll throw a day of food into MyFitnessPal to see where I'm at. It's usually under 25 grams of net carbs, around 180 to 200 grams of fat, and right around a gram per pound of body weight and protein, which is around 120 to 130 grams of protein, which works out without doing any weighing and measuring, any counting, to almost exactly 75% fat, 20% protein, 5%
0: carbohydrate. Cool. So we have this great debate. I don't want to really say it's between Brittany and I, because Brittany is she, is, she has tracked, she has not tracked, she has gone back and forth, as as most have. Um, I can't really say that I haven't myself. I mean, I've definitely done some times where I haven't tracked just because I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm good with where I am or wh- what have you. But having said that, did you start tracking? Did you always not track? And what would your recommendation be for that person that's like, oh my goodness, I hate tracking, I don't ever want to track, I'm just going to start and always do keto intuitively?
2: I think... Everyone needs to weigh and measure their food for at least a month at some point in their lives. You just need to know what's in things and what serving sizes are like. And, you know, one of the most heartbreaking, eye-opening moments will be the first time you weigh out your portion of peanut butter. (laughs) And what you always thought was two tablespoons is actually more like five, you know?
0: It's like, oh, it's a half a cup. What?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You need to bring some awareness. You need to learn about food. Uh, So, yes, I think everyone needs to weigh and measure at some point. Um, And then I think you need to graduate from that learning to be able to just feed yourself intuitively. That you should be able, if you're fueling your body well, if you're recovering properly, you should be able to operate off of your own hormonal signals for hunger and satiety to be able to, your body should tell you to eat when you're hungry and it will tell you that you don't need to eat when you're not hungry. And if your body is continuing to give you these signals that eat, 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 when you know you've had enough food or your body's accumulating excess body fat, something's out of whack there. Something's out of balance. It doesn't make sense. And I think when you finally find what works for you and you find the balance after however many experiments it takes, that that balance will be self-regulating.
0: I'm not saying anything right now because I'm thinking... I'm thinking about
1: achieved something because that doesn't happen very often. Are you saying that I don't think very often? No, I'm saying you don't stop talking and think (laughs) very often. Most of the time you're doing both more on the talking and then thinking at the same time.
0: All right, Brittany. So I'm going to, I'm going to pull you into this one because I feel like you're probably already picking up my, my train of thought on this is like, there's so many like, triggers that were just stated and I'm like, I don't know where I go on this one. And, and yeah, so, there's a lot of
2: avenues we can take.
0: For sure. Okay, so where I like where do I-
2: to think of human beings in the context of like evolution and the animal kingdom and human beings and the animals that we feed are the only ones that can't self-regulate our body weight. No other animal has to worry about oh, am I gaining too much body fat? Or how do I put on the right amount of muscle? It's not a thing that happens. They just, they're foremost no, so true. to eat when they need to eat. Their bodies burn stored energy when they don't have enough to eat. And it's just a, it's the most natural self-regulating process in nature. Human beings have done something. And you could blame that on a lot of things, right? Like light exposure and the quality of our food and our, disconnected nature from other people and oh my god the list goes on and on about what about our modern life has made us unable to easily regulate our body weight body composition I'll say that
0: so all right a little bit of background i've been a personal trainer for a really long time i do not actively train anyone um in in terms of like physically at a gym training anymore um however the one thing that's changed over the last year of opening up to, you know, writing nutrition for people in various backgrounds and what have you, is that I never, I never would train like an obese client ever. Like, I mean, like grossly obese, not because I wouldn't or had the desire to, but because they just weren't one. I was young or I'm still, I'm still young, younger. <laughs> um, and most people that are in that situation where they really, really need that help just wouldn't seek They weren't they weren't looking for me to help them in that situation. So that's one. And then second, kind of like the population where I was training at both different times, didn't really have a large group of those that were coming to the facilities I was training at. Having said that, though, um, I've had this debate with being able to regulate and understand eating when hungry and eating till full and recognizing that satiety and the hormonal responses to those things are very real. However, I've also now worked with so many people that they have no idea what full feels like, not uh-huh. because they're not actually full, but because they're so either metabolically damaged, um, hormonally damaged or emotionally damaged In the sense that The crutch has always been I'm going to eat XYZ Because my feelings dictate that Having nothing to do With the nutritional aspect And so I guess my question to you Because I And Brittany's probably like Oh I know he was going to go there. Um, is where There was
1: what, like five different ones That I was like Oh where's he going with that Where's he But Don't, don't worry but I, I have, really I have everything others you said, So I'm just going to put that out there
0: And please don't I'm not saying own, he like, didn't I'm
1: not saying he didn't I'm just yeah. Like, yeah, just keep going. I shouldn't have interrupted. Sorry. No, no,
0: no. You're not interrupting. That's fantastic. I do think that... (laughs) <laughs> jocelyn's like i don't know most people know. Would, would tell you that <laughs> i like, like you
1: just get to the point so i know <laughs> like what is going on because you're having a conversation i'm not part of so
0: yeah. go fly on the wall jocelyn um i am thought of by most of my clients as being extremely intense and very black and white um which i am for the most part but not most of them all of them
1: <laughs> good i like that <laughs> it is a good like it is a good thing as a coach because if you're gray and like there's always going to be that like wiggle room or if you're trying to achieve to that and you're not going to quote that extreme then there's going to be a higher level of compromise. So, yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing, but when I'm being coached, I don't necessarily appreciate it in the moment.
0: <laughs> no. I Same would definitely say so. <laughs> I have I have no issues referring clients to other traders. <laughs> Having said that, though, um, so like devil's advocate, my thought process is like, what do you tell that person that is so emotionally caught up in their food and what they're eating and how do they get to that point? Right. Because like you've done this for a long period of time, even prior to keto, like you had a pulse on being healthily, health, healthily, that's a new word. We're going to put that in Webster's now. <laughs> um, being, being healthy and having sound judgment when it came to the fuel that you were putting in and the impact that had on yourself. But for, for some people, especially now as keto continues to grow, I feel like there are so many people that are coming to keto, which is fantastic, that don't have that base at all. They don't have that basis at all. They're, they're just like, I weigh 800 pounds and I'm trying to weigh 600 because I've never been that light.
2: Yeah, and that's, a, that's an experience very different than my own, that it would be hard for me to put myself in that person's shoes, nor should I even attempt that. I think yeah, okay. that's outside the realm of, of what I have any experience that I could speak to. Um, in my business, I'm not in the business of giving nutrition advice to other people. Cool. Uh, I We have a dietitian in our gym that does that stuff, and she works uh, very well and very closely with other people, and a lot of her job um, is on the emotional management side of things with people.
0: Love that. Um, Okay. Awesome.
2: I think probably a lot more than any of us would realize that it's not just here, eat these macros and everything will be great. Right. (laughs) Um, that a big part of, of getting people to make change, changing habits is much more on the psychological side of things than the physiological. Um, when I started the keto athlete and just kind of put my stuff out there, it was more from the side of not trying to give anyone advice, but just to share my experience, because there's very little research out there right now with regards to ketogenic diets and athletes. There's very little to start with. Most of what does exist out there has to do with endurance athletes, right? Um, A lot of Jeff Follick's work um, has to do with endurance cyclists and runners, which is not very relevant to a high intensity sport like weightlifting or CrossFit. Um, I happened to come across a few other crazy people out there trying, trying, just trying stuff, right? Experimenting, doing N1 experiments yep. and stuff happens. And I appreciated very much reading about their experiences in that anecdotal kind of way. And I went, well, at the very least I can contribute what's, what I'm doing and how it's working for me. So I try to always be clear that that what I'm doing or anything that I post is not here. Everybody else should do this too, but it's just that, hey. Here's my situation. You know, I'm a girl in my mid thirties. I've been doing CrossFit for 10 years, blah, blah, blah. Here's my background. Here's what I did. Here's how it worked for me. And if other people find that relatable or they want to try something similar on themselves, cool. If my situation is totally not relatable to somebody else's, then it, you know, then they can forget about it. Right? Like that it's not relevant in that case. Does that make that sense?
0: Is, that is absolutely a perfect answer. That was, that was fantastic. I think that was, that couldn't be more easily digestible for the vast the majority of people to hear that. Um, so I thank you for that. that. That was a very good way of putting that. Um, I think that, you know, there's so many people that will speak to whatever in such a level of totality. And I know people will say that about me do because there are certain things that I'm completely like, no, it's, it's this or it's that, but there is no in between, um, that, you know, we, we were just talking, Brittany and I just, we just launched the podcast. I think it was today for episode five, where we were talking about the differences between the confusion that's out there and why people come with so many different, Oh, you can do this or you can't do this or why net carbs are total carbs and why legumes oh. are no. And yeah. Um, and I think that, that piece that you just mentioned is the thing that's missed, is that it, it is an N equals one. It is a, this is what worked for me. You don't necessarily need to model your exact behavior over what I've done exactly, but this is, this is what I've done. Try it if you'd like to try it and see, and then glean your knowledge and experience from that, um, which I think is, is huge.
2: I found like most of the information that's out there regarding keto is centered around weight loss, fixing metabolic dysfunction curing diabetes like those kinds of things which was not relevant to my situation um so i appreciated other people that were trying keto for reasons that weren't weight loss when they were looking for you know and there's lots of different reasons out there people hoping for better athletic performance or curing food allergies or dealing with food allergies or autoimmune conditions or you know energy levels or you know there's lots of the Sort of Silicon Valley, um, high tech yeah. types that do it for the cognitive benefits. Okay, That's I started. Yeah, so I, uh-huh. I just thought it was. Um, I just wanted to contribute my information out there to the world that it's not necessarily about just weight loss. That there's lots of other benefits or possibilities there too.
0: Fantastic. Okay, so my next question is. You, your your children are... First off, can we have their names? I hate calling kids uh, just their kids. The
2: older one is Atlas. He's eight. And my oh little guy, man, is Dash,
0: sh- he's two. <laughs> I mean, talk about strong names. Atlas and <laughs> yeah, no Dash. Atlas That's, and Dash. Man, I love it. Okay, so are Atlas and Dash keto?
2: They're not keto. Not specifically ketogenic. Um I do most of the cooking in our house. I cook in a way that is centered around a lot of fat in our diets, good quality meats, but where I will make something for me, they'll have the same thing, but they might have rice or they might have noodles with it. You know, like I don't specifically try to restrict their carbohydrate. They'll eat more fruit than I do. Um, but the bulk of their diet is definitely fat.
0: Okay. And then your husband, which, and your husband's name, let's throw that out there. My husband's name is David. David. Um,
2: he has the, the body type where he can, he's quite tall and lean and he'd be what you call a hard gainer. He's the guy that struggles to keep weight on. Um, so he does largely the same that I do. So, you know, bulletproof coffee and a big meal of breakfast foods in the middle of the day. But if he goes low carb for too long, like keto for too long, he just loses so much weight, which is a hilarious problem to have to say that. Oh, I just lose so much weight on this diet. It's like becoming a real problem. You know, <laughs> like, people laugh at that, right? When they struggle, people struggle to to lose weight. But honestly, that's like one of the biggest problems for him is that he loses weight too easily, and he'll get down under 170 pounds, which for a six foot tall guy is not that's not ideal. So he will have carb refeeds just a little more often than I do. So
0: okay. Fair enough.
2: I have the body type, um, and I've done and I posted about my 23andMe genetic background, that kind of stuff. I carry it's like 362 genetic markers that predispose me to obesity. So I, my body type is my genetics are that I should be fat. <laughs>
0: okay. okay. So what is that? Like talk to, talk to that. Cause I know, I know what you're saying. People are like, what is it? 23 and me and the genetic, how did you figure that out? Can you kind so of talk get, to what attracted you to that and why yeah, you that? it? I feel like
2: it's, it's become more mainstream these days. 23 and me, you can go to their website, 23andme.com. Um, they send you a little kit so you can even order it on Amazon. I think you do a, a cheek swab and you send it away to a lab and they map your genome. And so they'll give you a bunch of the ancestry details and kind of tell you who you might be related to and what part of the world your genetics come from. And then they give you a whole pile of health reports too. So um, all different kinds of things with the way that you metabolize caffeine and how you deal with some different vitamins, vitamin D and vitamin E. And um, if you dig really deep into the raw data, you can come up with, um, I don't know how much we want to go on this nerd safari, but um, you can carry a gene called AR. (laughs) PPAR alpha, um, which if you carry the regular phenotype will make you better at, you produce ketones in your liver. But if you carry one variant of this gene, you won't be very good at producing ketones in your liver. So there are some people that will go, I just can't do this keto thing. I just can't do it. And there is a very small subset of people with this PPAR alpha, um, genotype that, that won't. Right. So you could dig into your genetic data and go, do I have the gene that makes ketones properly in my liver? And you know, yes or no. Um, they give you all kinds of other stuff. So there's, in terms of, are you predisposed to obesity? I'm very much so, and lots of my family has or does struggle with obesity. That's just like the body type that I have. So um, my point there being is that my husband and I have very different body types. He's the naturally skinny, if anything, struggles to gain weight kind of guy. I could be fat in a heartbeat. <laughs> if I, if I didn't put some effort into um, being cognizant, I don't wanna say careful, but just putting some effort into the way I feed myself and the way I move my body around. Um, I've said in other things that I don't necessarily think that these genes that I carry, that the right way of phrasing that is that I'm predisposed to obesity. I think I'm just not very carb tolerant. I'm, my genetics are at odds with the modern diet with the standard american diet
0: for sure and i just that can't sense.
2: eat unregulated amounts of carbohydrates some people can and that's cool so anyway my point with my husband what does he do he will carb refeed a little more often than i do what's so a little like, more oh, often Is he? okay yeah like we usually we'll have one sometimes two meals during the week where we have like a like a cheat meal whatever you know we'll have a pizza night with the kids or like we go out for dinner like You know, I usually plan around one meal in the week, usually like a Saturday night where I just eat whatever and I don't worry about it. And that totally strikes the balance for me with feeling good most of the time, not having to be a social weirdo so that if we, like one example, we went to my uncle's house for my cousin's birthday and they made lasagna and garlic toast.
0: I'm and sorry. We have to disconnect the the, the podcast right now. I'm, this I'm out. For him. Yeah, yeah. What's
1: he, when it's Italian food, he uh, loves it. Uh,
0: <laughs> I keep trying to Italian, tell everyone I'm Black Sicilian. I do love they don't Italian
1: know. Too. I'm like, oh, but, okay.
2: So I don't want to be the social weirdo in those situations that has to go. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't eat that. Or oh, I have to
1: bring my own food. Right. You know. That i just that's a real thing my great-grandmother at father's day i had my own food and this wasn't just specific to keto this was at thanksgiving i was doing a like i i made very similar foods to what they were eating but i only used whole food to do it um and i was doing dairy free at the time and so like the last couple big family get-togethers I have had my own food there and my great-grandmother made the comment or my grandmother made the comment that she's like oh yeah she always brings her own food she doesn't eat what we eat and I was like like I was very torn about that because part of me want to be it's, like yes because I don't want to look the way that you look and yeah. like I don't mean that in a like like she is morbidly obese and has There's the a health lot issues of emotional to go along with that. Um, and, and so I was very torn because I'm like, I I don't want it to always have to be where I'm totally separated. But on the same note, I also want, like have to do what I feel is the best for me in that moment as well. And so like trying to find that balance. So kind of like your idea.
2: Yeah. And like, again, with this just being my situation, right. I can have a cheat meal once, sometimes twice a week. And maintain and perform and feel just fine, but I am not trying to lose weight, um, and I'm I also don't have food intolerances or autoimmune conditions or things that require me to be very strict with the certain things that I eat. So
0: and you have self control.
2: Well, I'm I guess I sort I to some extent.
0: Oh no, you just, do. You have self control. If you could have a cheat day or a cheat meal once a week, and not seven days a week, you have self control because. Yeah. I, I know for a fact I could I could totally do that, but I also know that I know some people that could not. It's like yeah. we've had a guest. Yeah, right. The it's gateway. like right. you yeah. open Pandora's box, man. I'm all in now. Forget it. So yeah. um yeah. And I
2: think like here's another tangent we can go on. This is maybe a little unrelated topic.
0: Everything's related.
2: <laughs> it's all related. It's all related to life, so it counts with people that. Are struggling with their food or are obese or morbidly obese. And, you know, we want to talk about, lots of people want to label it as a food addiction or maybe a sugar addiction. And if you look at the way we treat any other addiction, alcoholism or, you know, cocaine or whatever, we, the treatment is total abstinence. When you quit drinking, you quit drinking, right? We say, you can't handle drinking you've gotten to the point where it's disrupted your life the treatment is you stop drinking we don't tell an alcoholic oh just have two drinks a week you'll be fine or you can have one glass of wine a day because they just can't right like and it's for whatever reason it's not a character judgment we just go that just doesn't work for you but for some reason when we treat food addiction or sugar addiction we try to teach people moderation we go you can still have those foods but just in moderation or you can just have a cheat day but on the weekends it's like but, but no, they can't, right? Like, if it's just, there is no, you know, we had a, in our family, a couple generations back, an uncle that did not understand the concept of one drink struggled with alcoholism. He goes, I, like, when you open a bottle, you throw away the cap, like, you're going
0: all or nothing here, you know? Better buy small and bottles. I,
2: <laughs> yeah. And I feel
1: like... If you get you the set, little ones from the plane.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we set people up for failure when they're trying to make those life changes by advocating moderation when it comes to food or sugar addiction, instead of we might be more successful if you said total abstinence. So in the same way that like some people can have two glasses of wine a week and be totally fine. And it doesn't, it's not a gateway to binge drinking behavior. And some people can have one cheat meal a week and it's fine. And it's not a gateway to binge eating behavior. I feel like the same thing with food,
0: you know? Like Okay, so here's we're gonna call this Transparency Fridays, even though I guess that should have been like Transparency Tuesdays, but we're recording on a Friday, so it is what (laughs) it's so I growing up would have been considered someone like David, right? Like I could have eaten I, I did I officially would I think we I talked about our this on first the first podcast. podcast you talked about yeah.
1: like 4,000 or 4,000 calorie shake that sounded not even
0: good I would make a 2,200 calorie weight gainer shake with ice cream and milk so by the time it was done yeah it was probably closer to like 3,500 calories followed by a peanut butter and jelly sandwich um, right before going to bed because that's what I needed to do in order to play football <laughs> and, and keep my weight up Right yeah. to, the, to the point where I developed such a body dysmorphic disorder that I could look at my Myself, no matter how big I was and feel like I weighed five pounds. So damaged myself metabolically in such an extreme way that I eventually got to the point where I was over 300 pounds easy. So now having said that, it's also why when I look at starting when I first started keto had nothing to do with weight loss. That's one of the one of the reasons I love intermittent fasting was because I lost so much weight eating. And we've said this lasagna, cookies, donuts, cake, ice cream, the whole nine yards within my restricted eating window. It was fantastic. Um, But having said that, going to keto and looking at Not having those things tempt me. I did three months, didn't have any kind of sugar at all whatsoever. Um, And even now, like every guest that comes on, every client I, I work with, as I look daily into what other people's struggles are, it reminds me like how I can make more appropriate changes to make sure I don't ever backslide and go into the Inner fat kid that I know still exists inside of me, so um, yeah. I do think that that's absolutely true. And I've made the reference before with you know addiction and drugs and not going in the moderation. And I can't say that um, you know Brittany has been part of my epic cheat days. Will I ever go back to the epic cheat days that I've had before? No, because I feel like man, if I if I open the top to a cupcake, I'm gonna eat the entire batch. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, even if I don't need to which I would never need to who needs to eat that many cupcakes yeah Um,
1: yeah What's so, the daily recommended intake of
0: cupcakes in yeah, yeah. depends <laughs> on depends on which company you were talking to uh, if yeah. i wrote if I wrote the guide, it'd be at least six um but but like understanding that it's you know how do we get to that point you know what do we what do we consider balance what do we consider moderation what do we consider extreme like how do we come up with those topics and um and and how long do we have to wait before you know we can handle a cupcake on a Saturday because it was a special event. You know I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Obviously that's different for everyone, but you know I think that that's that's the point is that it is different for everyone, and people need to be aware of what that is and what that looks like for themselves, and then make the appropriate change because everyone can't do one cheat meal every Saturday. Um yeah. Or and and or they may be able to do it once they get to a different point or time in space. I don't know.
2: Yeah. And I find the longer i've been keto the less i care like oh yeah i used to be like oh like i really want to eat a like cinnamon bun or day or whatever and now i'm kind of like i'll be like oh i can really go for some rice i haven't had rice in a while
1: i <laughs> <laughs> when you said that you like it took you four months to start feeling good um how strict were you in that first four months
2: in those first four months, I was definitely weighing and measuring and tracking things pretty closely, and doing a lot of like, blood glucose, blood ketone testing. Um, I'm a I'm a
1: data person. I like the numbers, and I find, I, try I never would have to- guessed by you're talking about the PPA. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, I'm happy there are people that like that
1: stuff, but I was like, "Mm, no, no.
2: Yeah. I mean, you like it or you don't. I just like nerding out on that kind of stuff. Um, So I was like tracking very closely and paying attention to, I find the data useful, not in a, in a taskmaster kind of way. You shouldn't be driven by the data. Often the criticism of a ketogenic diet is like, don't just eat to chase like, some ketone number on a meter like that's not necessarily the way to do things but i would go where do i feel the best and then what does that number look like and it goes oh turns out when i feel the best my ketones are also higher so those two numbers go together i I find the data helpful in connecting actions to consequences
0: oh that's big
1: yeah and i think a lot of nugget he's gonna love and hold on to forever The way you just said that, he absolutely like that was gold to him, (laughs) locked away.
2: You You can use that one. So, I mean, you know, you touch a hot stove, you burn your hand, you learn not to touch the stove. That's very immediate. But if you eat something and you feel crappy 24 hours later or the next day, it's hard to necessarily connect the actions to the consequences if you aren't really paying attention to your body. So, I, I actually built a little app in Google Forms, and I fill it out every morning, and it feeds into a, a spreadsheet, and I just keep track of all kinds of things. <laughs>
0: Listen, I love data. And I'm like, oh man, let's start talking pivot tables. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah.
1: That might have to be another podcast, guys. Yeah, <laughs> show you my app if you want. To later. Oh man, so, that's awesome. I, love I keep it. track
2: of all kinds of things. So like, body weight is one of them, but it's just one of many inputs. Um, how much I slept what was the time of my last meal what was my diet like yesterday um, what's my HRV I wear a HRV monitor while I sleep Um, how was my workout yesterday (laughs) okay he's got binders yes I love it (laughs) so all kinds of things and it helps me connect actions to consequences you know and I can see trends over time oh it turns out when I the more days in a row that I eat keto and I stop eating at six PM and I go to bed, you know, and I get eight hours of sleep. Oh, it turns out my workouts are awesome, 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 awesome. Days and days in a row. Oh, it turns out if I have a cheat day or I eat late at night or I don't sleep enough, now I start to rate my workouts as like poor, 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 low energy. So then it's really easy for me to have one cheat meal and then not have any more because I can connect The consequences of that, I can have one cheat meal, I'll feel fine, right? I'll be over it in a day. But if I did that day after day after day, I know I'm going to feel terrible. I don't want to feel terrible, Mm -hmm. so I don't do that thing. So then it makes it a really easy decision for me. Do I want to eat this cupcake? Yes. Do I want to feel good tomorrow? Yes. Which one do I want more? I want to feel good tomorrow more than I want that cupcake. And then it makes the decision easy.
1: AJ, your your mouth is moving, but I don't hear you. Nope, I still don't hear you. Yeah,
0: I must now. Okay, no, you can I hear you. me now. Yeah. I was saying such amazing things, you guys totally missed out <laughs> on it. Best of no, I was saying that is, uh, I think we should just end it right here. That was absolutely perfect. Except for the fact that I have something else I want to add in, because I, I want <laughs> you to go to nerd out on this and then let me know what you think. So... I literally take in a ton of data, and depending on where people are at, responding to different things, I'll ask for different inputs, so glucose numbers, heart rate, um, what their weight is, the amount of water that they're intaking, sleep hours, how deep their sleep is, Like, we'll go through all those different things. Having said that, um, I do take my blood ketones, um, but I am absolutely addicted to... I shouldn't really say addicted to because I don't even care anymore um, because I've already I've already tracked the trends. But do you and have you ever tested via your breath, like just using a breathalyzer and the numbers that come out from that?
2: I've never done breath ketones before, just the um, blood.
0: I challenge you to buy a $10 breathalyzer and start tracking your acetone numbers Mm -hmm. via how you feel. And when I was really, really into creating this trend for me, I would do it when I first woke up before a workout, during a workout, after workout, um, and then certain periods of time after the workout. And you'll be like surprised at recovery and the fat adaptation process with depending on what your meals were and how they were timed and all of those things and fasting windows. And I should we, separate podcast. Um podcast. <laughs> Yes, seriously, man. But that is absolutely awesome. I think that those are the things that it makes it so much easier to make that decision. Cause like you said, it's a choice. Like you decide, well, I don't want to feel bad. So I'm not going to eat another cheat meal or I'm not going to eat said cupcake that I really, really want because i rather feel good. Um, but it's, it is usually too distant of a memory, right? Like You ate it now. You feel good now. And the dopamine and serotonin that was released from you eating said thing was great. And now tomorrow you can't figure out why you couldn't PR. And you're like heart rate is through the roof trying to get through a wad that's really simple. Whatever. Um, I think that that is, that's huge. I think that that is the connection that's too far off and too distant, um, between the action and the result or the, the consequence as you so well put it. So it's fantastic. That was great. We definitely need to, um, track that information and look at like what you're putting in and how I would love to offline, not during this podcast, <laughs> talk about the different data points of, of what puts in. Cause I do, I track that stuff religiously. And the amazing thing of having clients is that I track for each one of them, the information that they give me <laughs> pretty much. Everyone has to send me, I wake up with a series of text messages with various numbers for every client for what was recorded the day before and that morning of, um, so that I can create and keep a file on each one of them for their progress, which <laughs> Brittany can tell you about. Um, so I, I love that stuff. I do nerd out on the data. I think that that is the easiest way to put together the information that's not out there in the industry as far as um, keto and the responses and the different body types and all of those things. So that's fantastic. I love that.
2: Yeah. I think a lot of people, the variable I've come to appreciate more lately, everyone's out there talking about either what to eat or how much to eat. So the what to eat people are like, paleo or vegan or whatever. And they're like, you can eat as much as you want if you only eat these foods. And then there's the how much to eat people. That's like the, if it fits your macros or the calories in calories out people that go, you can eat whatever foods you want if you only eat this much. But then nobody's really talking about when to eat. and. Now it's becoming a little more popular with intermittent fasting or time restricted eating, where some of these people are going, you can eat whatever you want if you only eat within this amount of time. And I think that those three factors are different. What to eat, how much to eat and when to eat it. And that you can be paleo, keto, intermittent faster, or you can be vegan, macro counter, eat whenever you want six meals a day, you know, like, there's different combos of those things, and you'll find one of those variables will be the most important for each person. For me, it's usually the, the what to eat. If I just eat things that are food, that's gonna accomplish 80% of the benefit for me. And then the next most important thing I've come to appreciate lately is restricting the window that I eat, just not eating so many hours of the day, that that affects the recovery. And then the actual amount that I eat has been the least important factor that I've ever tried to tinker with in terms of way back to the bodybuilding days, the way that we would restrict calories to cut for a show, or now it's all about macros. It's, counting macros for me is not worth the effort. It's not a, changing that variable doesn't have enough of an output for it to, for the effort that it takes now. As long as I pay attention to what I eat, the foods I eat, the kind of like quality, and when I eat it, that's what has the best output for me.
0: I like it. How how varied do you think your menu is? Like, I'm, I'm for the month of September, I'm eating a steak. So there's that. But um, like, oh. how crazy is your menu? Like, would, do you have like 100 items or are you like a top 25?
2: Probably top 25. Like, I don't think any of us really eat with as much variety as we think. You know? <laughs> People will think of diets as very restrictive or, oh, how could you eat like that? Or And you go, what do you eat? People eat the same six things for breakfast. They eat the same five recipes for dinner. Like
0: They got a chicken Caesar all- salad at four different places, but it was still a chicken Caesar salad. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think we all kind of just, you develop your habits, your go-tos. Um, mine are probably not that varied. I do like to cook and I, I post lots of recipes and experiments with different kinds of things. Um, but yeah, probably... I mean probably 25 main foods meats nuts veggies you know there's only so many
0: yeah true story cool i love it all right so we asked you what your favorite keto meal was and you said breakfast so meats and eggs and yeah. we'll go with that what is your favorite non-keto meal and don't say lasagna because
2: <laughs> that's actually not my favorite uh what's my favorite non-keto meal that's a good question uh,
0: it can be a cupcake it's okay
1: it doesn't have to be a meal. It could just be like a snack or a food or like your favorite know Like oh, the okay. thing that makes it the hardest to like if you saw it there, you'd be like, oh
2: my like to totally, I have no self-control. Unregulated food is banana bread. Like oh. if there is a loaf of banana bread, I'm gonna eat the whole thing. That's just Wow.
0: <laughs> that is that's Yeah, that's, my, I just <laughs> love that. sounds Do like, like, like my brother in
2: law. Uh I would go either way, but I think okay. if I could pick, I would go no nuts. No nuts.
0: Okay. okay. Yeah. So if I had a recipe for a keto version banana bread, would you want it?
2: I would give it a whirl, but it's going to be hard to match like my mom's banana bread, you know?
0: I, I'm i sure it would be. I'm not a banana bread fan like that, but my brother-in-law, <laughs> who is keto, um, I want to say he made a banana bread that was keto-fied. So I will let you know if that is I've the case. I'm
1: super intrigued at what's in that recipe that he like, I mean, just banana, period. <laughs> like, yeah.
2: I yeah think used, uh, I've seen ones with banana extract.
0: Some, mm. like,
2: banana flavoring.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't see, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what he did with that, but I do know, I think it was cream cheese based with a little bit of almond flour, a little bit of coconut flour, eggs of some sort, and oh, yeah. what have you, so.
2: Yeah, I'm a no-dairy person, for the most part. Mm. Uh, I, I don't love... Dairy interesting twist
1: interesting twist yeah and it's hard to be keto without eating right foods. right that's what i was just thinking i was like wow that would definitely vary what my meals are uh, yeah, it, would work, it would work for steak
0: timber <laughs> yeah no I, because you still put heavy whipping cream in your coffee you didn't have to do that though like i feel like real meals just steak you could totally just steak timbers no dairy needed i'm very
2: <laughs> carnivore curious about this whole thing haven't done that experiment yet but definitely people like posting some interesting results and raving about switching to all red meat.
0: Like, it's, it's one of those things. So like I thought I'm trying to think of how to best put this. I didn't think there was a huge difference between like keto and carnivore keto. I really didn't. Like if someone were to ask me prior to me having gone carnivore, um, I'd have been like, "Ah, oh, there's no difference. And I will also say this for the people that are super strict. You can only do this, that or the other thing on keto. There is that same group of people via carnivore, and Uh I am not that individual because I still do like MCT, but I don't do a C8, C10 blend. I do strictly C8 MCT oil, so that technically is not carnivorous because, you know, it's C8 MCT oil. However, mm-hmm. I still do it. Um, I will use avocado oil every once in a while, which again, that's from a fruit. So that's not carnivorous, but with the exception of that, um, the difference in change, um, there were definitely some things that did not impact me at all prior that after going carnivore, when I tried to reintroduce it totally wrecked me like erythritol. I never realized I had a sensitivity to erythritol ever at all yeah. um, until after having gone carnivore and then trying to reintroduce it. So Certain things like that are amazing. Um, feeling energy level. I, I love it. I think the biggest thing is like my mood stabilization. I have anger management issues. Nobody knows that um, everybody knows that. But uh, <laughs> I would say that's probably been like the most impactful thing for me um, from it. So I don't know. It's amazing. Try it. You know, do you yeah. own n equals one?
2: <laughs> I've been really trying to make the bulk of my protein sources red meat or wild game lately. I saw I can't remember who I was listening to talk about you know protein sources and athletes and that sort of thing and they went you know a few years ago I just quit I quit eating these little birds like eating chicken right because they're like bodybuilders and stuff it's always like chicken and rice and chicken and rice they're like why am I trying to if I want to be a big strong animal I'm gonna eat big strong animals like what am I doing eating these little birds (laughs) and that, like it was just kind of an offhand comment but it really clicked with me and I went what am I doing eating these little birds? Like,
1: I can't fly I because their wings <laughs> are so good, though.
2: <laughs> they are good, but like, if you think, but yeah, I mean, no, from an athlete perspective, yeah. What's in red meat? Oh my god, iron and L-carnitine and the bulk of your creatine. You don't need to supplement with creatine if you're just eating real food. If you're just eating red meat,
0: it's Sean Baker says it all the time.
2: Yeah, yeah. So that was something that really made sense to me. So I definitely am not like all the way in on carnivore but putting one foot in the in the puddle thinks about it
0: fair enough and we'll see if you and Brittany jump in at the same time because i've been trying to get her to go carnivore for i don't know probably like three months now at least maybe at least i feel like i don't know it's been a long time i'm a persistent individual though so you know
1: <laughs> yeah anything. i'm just really attached to my vegetables still so
2: <laughs> yeah i'm not good at cooking red meat i have to get better at that as a skill
0: oh man i'm gonna start you know what these are one of the reasons why i should be posting how i cook my red meat because i feel like every once in a while i'm like nobody needs to know how to do this like they know how to make a steak but i will tell you right (laughs) now yeah there's definitely different ways to do it that really brings out flavor in a certain amazing way yeah experimenting
2: with different cuts of meat and different you know not just always a steak on the grill kind of thing
0: yeah, I do want to try some other wild stuff. Um not a huge venison fan, but I would like to try some bison and some other things that I know are um, micronutrient rich. um and i do I do organ meat and stuff like that, so uh, yeah we'll we'll see. We'll have to create a new data sheet for that and kind of put those inputs yeah. in. <laughs> okay, if there's one thing that you want to tell someone that's listening that is on the fence about starting keto, let's say they have their one one foot in the puddle, <laughs> what would it be to get them to, you know, just jump over the other end?
2: Hmm. In terms of what they should do or what would be a persuasive argument for why they should? Um,
0: I can't, I don't want to say persuasive argument. I would say why should they just give it a whirl?
2: Why should they give it a whirl? Um, I would say the strongest argument towards giving keto a shot versus one of the many other diets out there is that the food is the most delicious. Fair. Sure, that is a valid. <laughs> like, there's no such thing as like sad diet food when you're doing a keto thing, right? Everything is True rich story. and like delicious, that there's no moment where you're like, oh, I feel sad about what I'm eating right now. Like, everything's amazing and tasty and rich and. I think that's probably Uh, the strongest argument to just like give it a shot, right? You can.
0: Yeah, eat fat. Do it.
2: Eat it. It's good. It's tasty.
0: Oh, I like it. Fantastic! I think that's great, Jocelyn. Thank you so much for taking the time out. Uh, I feel like this is only okay. going to be part part one of many because we have things so to get back into. We'll bring sure. our charts
2: and graphs next time.
0: I'm so serious. I'm sitting here thinking, like, how can we turn the computer into a whiteboard so we could share this stuff live on the video? <laughs> I'm sure, there's a way. Yeah. there's, there's got to be. It may not be through Skype. We may have to use something else, but we need we need to be able to because I feel like that would be. Um, we would definitely need a moderator.
1: <laughs> so that we don't get- yeah, really, like, guys, guys, bring it back into English, please. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: but um, we definitely need to go there. Uh, I'm going to say farewell. Thank you. Please, please, please do not get stuck in the snow. Not in September. I would not I respond know. to that. Um, and make sure that if it's already turning gray and cold, that you get your vitamin D in. <laughs> yeah, big time. Well,
1: thanks
2: for having me, guys. It's been fun.
0: It has Thank been you absolutely awesome. Yeah, it's been a bust. Thank you guys so much. Have a wonderful evening. And so long. The Keto Matrix podcast, where myths are busted, science is explained, and the Keto Lifestyle is discussed by industry experts and everyday people alike. For more information and support, go to the Ketomatrix.com.